Blog Talk Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Armor Report. Thanks for joining me. This is a show about stock market investing. As always, let me just fix the camera, make sure you can see what's going on here. All right. A lot to unpack today. Armor stands for Algorithmic Risk Management Research. This is the combination of quantitative analysis and fundamental analysis. We call it quantamental investing. We use quantitative analysis to execute, and we use fundamental analysis to build our whiteboard, and that's how we create the information edge that I'm sharing with you. Today, we're going to go over the weekend review. We're going to cover some key topics. As always, I'd like to start with our risk monitor, which is a look at the big indexes telling us whether or not we should be adding risk subtracting risk, and then where we should be adding that risk. Then I'm going to move over to the precious metal space. I haven't talked about it in a while. I think it demands focus today. So we're going to talk about it. Then we're going to go over to the cannabis couch, our favorite place to be. We all love this investment theme. There are a few pieces of news that have come out this week that I think are incredibly important. And I hear crickets. No one's talking about it. I told you last week we're nibbling on this space. I can tell you now we're taking full bites. We're not grabbing with two hands yet. We're using a fork, but we're taking full bites. I'm going to explain why. So let's get to it. Uh, As always, this is a live trading desk. Forgive me if the phones ring. I've got computers all around me. I'm involved in executing orders as we speak. So you're getting a live look into a trading desk. I manage my own personal assets. I manage assets for individuals, all of it through our interactive brokers affiliation. Um, I'm not telling you what to do on this show. I couldn't possibly do that because I don't know you, right? But I can share with you plays directly out of my playbook on how I run my own money. And I hope from that, it will help improve your performance in the equity market help you build your net worth and protect capital at the same time. I am um, building a website for you to streamline this information. One place for you to go to get your risk monitor information on an updated basis constantly to get the uh, armor report whiteboard stocks that we're buying or we're thinking of buying and then to get the Armor Report portfolio. So you can see we have four different portfolios, how we're investing, what stocks we're buying. That website will be up hopefully in the next couple of weeks. I'll let you know as soon as it happens. Of course, if you enjoy this show and it helps you out, give me a thumbs up. That always helps me out. It's a way for you to give back if you're looking to give back. Thank you for being here. Don't forget, without you guys, really, it makes it uh, much more difficult for me to run money, believe it or not. I love talking to you. It orders my thinking, and it helps me make money while I'm trying to help you guys. All right, so here we go. Um, Risk monitor, we always start there because 
everything in our world begins and ends with how to manage risk. And we use the top seven indexes to do it. These are all ETFs of the big indexes, the S&P, SPY, DIA for the Dow, IWM for small cap, QQQ for um, the NASDAQ 100, um, Momentum Index, MTUM, Value Index, VLUE, and the IBD 50, FFTY. For us on this trading desk, those encompass the feelings of the whole market. And so we have algorithms, proprietary computer learning algorithms designed for the volatility of those indexes on a top day and multi-day basis. Now, what I tend to do periodically is send out emails to everybody on the Armour Report. It's a free email list for action alerts. And if there's big changes in the um, risk monitor, I'm going to send out a report to you. Got to call you back. All right. I'll send out a, um, a free report to you guys. All right. So if you're not on that list yet, go to our website, Rosenthal Capital, sign up for it. And it's a free report. Um, oh, I see a story right now I'm going to talk about later, which is part of the vaping crisis and how it's affecting uh, the conscience uh, the, the, the um, human thoughts here in the U.S. is very interesting information. Looks like the vapors are pushing back, and it looks like Trump is actually um, uh, doing some things to push back as well. Interesting. We'll get to that later. Okay, so without further ado, what are the, uh, the risk monitor? What's it saying to us? The Armour Risk Monitor, and Armour, again, stands for Algorithmic Risk Management Research. That's what we do, Okay. We provide armor for your portfolio. That's why we came up with that acronym. So as I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, we have no confluence. We need confluence. All seven indexes telling us one thing to get aggressive long or aggressive short. We don't have either. We have mixed movement in the market. We have some of the leadership momentum and IBD 50 continuing to underperform. That's a problem. Okay, but we have some of the big indexes getting towards the highs of the year. So what we've been saying for the last few weeks, we continue to say the it's it's open season on big blue chip dividend payers. And what we look for and what I shared with you on Wednesday, if you haven't seen the video, please go watch it. I I unfolded for you right out of my playbook how we buy these big dividend players, what stocks we focus on how they get to our whiteboard. Go watch that Wednesday video. I'll put a link to it, and I'm done with this live stream, down uh, in the description section, so you can just click on it. But we continue to focus on those big dividend payers on weakness. We don't buy strength in this area. We buy weakness when the dividend yield gets high enough for our risk metrics. We start looking at the companies to find companies that have transient problems that have brought the stocks down, but we feel long-term the business is sound and the dividend payout ratio is acceptable. And then we pounce when the algos tell us it's time to do it. When our quantitative execution platform says now's the time, we put money to work. Okay? So that's what we're still doing. That's what the the risk monitor is telling us to do, and we keep doing it this week. 
Now, I shared with you a couple of charts. I'm going to share with you again. When I say to you guys, um, you know, how do we buy these type of stocks? I talked about it on Wednesday. I'm going to crystallize it real quick for you in this thought. We call it the AT&T model on our trading desk. Over a year ago, we were buying shares of AT&T. Hold on a sec. Let me explain why this is the number one focus on the whiteboard again. Why are dividend payers, blue chip, high yields, the focus? You all know this, but anybody new needs to hear this. There's 30% of the world debt out there that has a negative interest rate. It's more than $15 trillion. I keep drilling this into these conversations with you because it's the most important fact that's, that's, that's covering the stock market right now. These stocks are dramatically outperforming the rest of the market, and they have been for a year. Probably it's going to continue. Reason? We have a huge pension plan crisis here in the U.S. Baby boomers are retiring. Pensions have to pay out. Pensions normally put a certain percentage of their pension plan assets into government bonds, which are risk-free rates of return. When those rates of return go so low and when we have 30% of government bonds trading at negative interest rates, what happens is it forces pension money, which is billions of dollars, higher up or lower down, I should say, on the food chain of um, payouts, right? So they got to buy corporate debt, and they have to buy equity with big dividends. That's the overriding theme here. So when I say the AT&T model, what I mean is – and I'm going to give you a chart pen. Take a look at that, Okay. That little box I highlighted right there is where we were buying this stock at the beginning of the year, end of last year. AT&T had a significant sell-off. It looked like it was a disaster. It was collapsing. Everybody was telling me it was crazy to buy the stock. Nobody thinks it's crazy now, but back then it was crazy. Why? They have way too much debt. They keep losing uh, um, wireline customers um, and uh, – uh, the direct TV acquisition was a disaster. God, these, <laughs> these were the top three things people were telling me. And I said, I don't care. At the time, it wasn't $15 trillion in negative interest rates, but it was a lot of negative interest rates. We could, we could see what was happening. And we said, the beauty of a blue chip company going through a transient problem with a dividend yield of 6.5% that we locked in that has lots of debt is that in a world like this, they're going to refinance that debt, and that profit's going to drop down to the bottom line, and margins are going to go up. It's beautiful. So we were buying the stock. We've locked in for clients a better than 6.5% rate of return on AT&T, and the stock is up. So our principal's up, and we're collecting our yield, the proverbial having the cake and eating it. Now, let's look a couple stocks we've been adding to the portfolio recently, and I've been talking about it. I'm going to share it with you. Look at the chart patterns that we're buying. These are weekly charts I'm showing you. Okay? Multi-year lows. This is a REIT. I-N-N is the symbol. Summit Hotel Properties. They own, you know, Marriott's, Hilton's, Hyatt's. It's a REIT. It's a 6% yield. Stock's down dramatically. 
way underperform in the entire REIT space. The risk is worth the reward for us. If we're right here, we're going to collect 6% on the REIT. Stock will go higher. At the very least, it stays here. We collect 6%. This is not our aggressive money, right? This is the part of the portfolio we're structuring to collect yield. Let's move over here. I told you guys about this last week, Invesco. Look at how it's doing this week. We were up 8% on this stock on earnings. We were buying it at the lows, double bottoms, multi-year lows. People think I'm crazy. Why would I buy the stock? AUM's going down. Okay? It's just like AT&T. Everyone's sure they're in trouble. Everyone's sure the business is done. Everyone says there's too much debt in the balance sheet and all this stuff. Well, of course, management understands the same problem. They made an acquisition something like nine months ago of Oppenheimer Funds. And what do they say on their earnings announcement now? Oh, by the way, we locked in a 7.8% yield in the stock before the earnings came out. Then the earnings come out, better than expected earnings, better than expected revenue, synergies better than expected with Oppenheimer Funds. AUM is up. Surprise, surprise. I didn't know that earnings announcement was going to come out like that. But what I do on my trading desk with my money is I put positions on when the probabilities are at their highest, I'll succeed, and then when the reward is worth the risk. If I'm wrong on these names, guys, I have stop losses. I'm out. Fine. I'm sure I'll take some hits. There'll be some positions that don't work. But right now, you get a high dividend payer with transient problems where the management team is addressing those issues and turning the company around, and stocks are going up because overall, there's a massive insatiable demand for yield that's growing every day because central banks keep adding liquidity and keep lowering interest rates. Now let's take a look at, oh, not that. Take a look at, wanted to show you the last one, Schlumberger. This stock looks god-awful, but there's a same double bottom. It's a weekly chart now, same double bottom. Earnings announcement comes out. Company is cutting costs. The company is addressing their debt issues. See, this is the beauty of, of if you've been reading the stories on Schlumberger, they've been retiring debt, just like I'm telling you. In this interest rate environment, they can go out there, retire debt, and lower, and lower their, their, their interest payments. They're doing all the things they have to do to protect their business in a difficult time. If energy goes up at all from here, it's a win. Oh, and by the way, they took a $12 billion write-off last quarter. I'd love to see that. Kitchen sink write-off. Done, right? So now they've lowered everyone's expectations. Stock's going up. I'm not looking for these stocks to go up dramatically. I'm just looking to collect the yield. If they go up like AT&T, that's even better. This is my conservative part of my portfolio, Okay. Now, let's move on. Um, I'm just going to touch on this real quick. Um, it's a, this is a real tough call, but I wanted to talk, on, talk about precious metals for a second. Precious metals, maybe I can put up an uh, image here for you guys. Um, just bear with me. Okay. 
see if you guys can see this. Okay. Um, are you looking at that right now? I hope you are. All right. There's CEF. CEF. This is a, uh, um, a closed-end fund. It trades on uh, New York Stock Exchange, CEF, Sprott Physical Gold and Silver. This is real physical bars of gold and silver, numbered bars, audited, a real asset. You can actually redeem it and get gold in return if you want. It trades at a discount to its net asset value. As you can see in this chart, we have the big breakout earlier this year in precious metals, huge run-up. I've always said I want to buy the first pullback to the 50-day moving average. If this bull market is real in precious metals, then the 50-day moving average will hold and, the, and metals will, will go higher from here and make new highs by the end of the year. The first test of the 50 is always when a, there's a new breakout that occurs in any stock, in any space. The first pullback to the 50-day moving average is my favorite place to add to the position or begin buying it. If I miss the original breakout, then what I do is I'm buying the first pullback to the 50 if it can hold up. And you can see that the metal itself has held up incredibly well, actually better than the stocks. GDX, you can go look at the chart. GDX stock is below the 50-day, and today it's trying to go above it. It gapped above it. It's given up all of the gap right now. Okay? So that's a bit of a disappointment. GDX gapped up, and it's given back all of that gap. That's not what I wanted to see. So, you know, it gives pause to this part of the conversation. When I was thinking and creating my notes for this conversation today, um, you know, I was much more excited because we had a nice breakout in, in, in gold above the 50-day. We've immediately closed the gap. So now the question is, can it close the week above the 50-day moving average? If it can, then it's time to buy the precious metal stocks. If it can't, maybe you have to wait a little bit longer. But CEF is holding up better than the stocks. Silver had a big breakout this morning. So this is where I'm focusing my attention. This is our biggest position in the portfolio from a precious metal standpoint. We own more of the precious metal than we do the, the mining stocks right now. But if this holds and GDX closes above the 50-day, then I want to have a position there as well. Okay? These stocks are notoriously difficult to make money on, so don't be frustrated if you have to stop your position out and start over again later. We've already had that happen once to us. But meanwhile, we've held on to CEF all the way through the volatility, and we're making money on that trade. And it's not really a trade. It's a hedge to your portfolio. Don't forget that. One reason why uh, GDX is reversing right in here is because the market's blowing out. And so when the market blows out, nobody cares about gold stocks, and everyone's excited about what's going on in the stock market. But if the market reverses and sells off, you're going to want to have a piece of your portfolio there. Okay. I'm going to get to some of your questions. I see someone's asking some questions. I appreciate those questions. I'll get to them before the end of the show. Let's move on to cannabis now. There's a couple of very important pieces of news that came out this week that I want you guys to focus on. 
I told you on Friday last week, we're nibbling on these stocks. And really, probably the biggest reason I started nibbling is that I told you all to get out of these stocks like 50% ago. All right. At the beginning of June, I told you there was a problem in these stocks. They've collapsed. They're down 50% or more. Some of them down 75%. And so what I'm looking for is that bottom in action and reversal. There's such a huge short position that I wanted to nibble on what looked like the first bottom in action last week in case it ignites a short covering rally that rips these stocks higher. So I nibbled. Then this week, there were basically, there's a bunch of stories, but three particular stories came out that I thought were very interesting. First of all, I want to just share with you, um, I, I listed for you a while ago the six problems with the uh, marijuana space uh, that needs to be resolved, okay, for me to get more bullish fundamentally on the group. And two of the biggest problems Let's start with vaping. The vaping crisis needs to get off the front page. People have to start realizing that the cannabis companies making the vape products are not killing people. The tobacco companies making vape products aren't killing people. It's illegal drugs that are being put into these vape cartridges that are killing people. All right, so... That news is slowly starting to trickle out. People are getting more and more comf comfortable with it. And it seems like the vaping story is getting off the front page. Well, here's a statistic. Two-thirds of Americans favor making marijuana use legal. Two-thirds. It remains two-thirds. It's been two-thirds. It's been rising uh, um, this year and remains at two-thirds. That's after the vape crisis. So even with the vape crisis, the overall populace still understands that cannabis should be legal. And I just thought that was an important thing to note. The vaping crisis has not changed people's opinion about cannabis, and it shouldn't. And it shouldn't change your opinion about investing in cannabis companies. It's a short-term problem that will be resolved. Let's move on. That was one of the issues on my list fundamentally. It has to move on, and it looks like the vape crisis is getting off the front page. The next thing that I wanted to talk to you about, and I, I highlighted on my list of six things. You can go back and – actually, I sent everybody an email who's on the Armour Report uh, email list these six issues. If you're not on the list, get on it so you get the next Armour Report. It's free. If you want my list, email me or direct message me or something, and I'll send it to you. But this another issue on the list was the – can trust debacle. Now I came on and I did a bonus coverage for you the day Can Trust announced they've been lying to the Health Canada. I said you've got to get out of all your stocks because this is going to kill the space because it's killing trust. They had just raised a bunch of money with institutions and they're burying them now. Okay, boom, the whole thing's down. So what I said is we need to see some resolution on Can Trust. I don't care which way it is. Either they go out of business or they get reinstated with Health Canada with their licenses. That's the greatest possible scenario, right? If that happens, that'd be great. But I don't care if they go out of business. One or the other, just get it off the front page so we can start repairing trust. I read a story today, or this week, about Bonafide Holdings. I posted it on my um, Twitter feed. 
please follow me at Brett Rosenthal, B-R-E-T, it's one T, Rosenthal. You can follow hashtag Armor Report. You can follow me on StockTwits. You would have seen this story. It's a very important story. Bonafide um, is a company that had their license suspended by Health Canada for doing all kinds of things that were much more egregious than what CanTrust has done. And they just had their licenses um, unsuspended. They found a resolution with Health Canada. They fixed what they were doing illegally. And Health Canada reinstated them. That's very bullish for the shareholders of CanTrust. And I don't know what Health Canada is going to do with CanTrust, but it, if you read the story about Bonafide and you see what they were doing that was illegal, it's amazing that they weren't put out of business. And it really makes you think, I mean, I, I just – I don't think they're going to put CanTrust out of business now. But I don't care what they do. One way or the other, get rid of it, of the problem, and that's bullish for cannabis companies. But you've got to read that story because it's another issue on my list, and it's being resolved. And now here's the last piece of information I'm going to share with you. Take a look at this chart. Cannabis retail, Canada cannabis retail sales numbers. From July to August, we saw an 18.64% month-over-month increase. That is a hockey stick-type performance for cannabis retail numbers. And I hear crickets about it. I don't hear people talking about it. That doesn't even include medical use in Canada. That's just retail use. We're getting month-over-month explosive growth in a hockey stick-type formation, and nobody cares. Everybody cared in June. Nobody cares now. Everybody's convinced now that the government of Canada is ruining the business and Canada's missing the boat and all these things. Meanwhile, retail use is going up. And it's going up at a very aggressive rate. And because expectations are so low now, that rate eventually is going to wake up people to, hey, something's happening here. And guess what? That doesn't even include the edibles numbers. So what do you think it's going to – what do you think is going to happen to the hockey stick number when edibles are available? Okay? These are the fundamental reasons – why I'm beginning to add to the portfolio in a, in a way that's more of a more uh, more than a nibble. Now I'm not grabbing with two hands. I'm not crazy aggressive, but I've got my positions on now, and I want to see how it behaves. And if it starts making higher lows, I'll build those positions in. Okay. So. To wrap up, let me just take a look at a question here. So Aurora Cannabis, Aurora Cannabis is the question. Is it undervalued or no? Okay. Thanks for the question, Lucas. Uh, is it undervalued, Aurora Cannabis? Um, 
at the moment, I'm not really uh, on my trading desk for my capital. I'm not trying to separate. I, I think they're all undervalued, okay? But it's very hard to figure out valuations in, in this market for these stocks right now. And so that's not really what I care about. The valuation game matters more to me in a more mature business. Think of the internet stocks in 1999. I mean, you could say they were all overvalued. They had no earnings and the stocks were, you know. So, you know, I, I think that there, the, the value switch, the question we're going to answer months from now when the stocks are all up and we're trying to figure out what are the best places to put money for future growth. But right now, with them all down 50 to 75% in the last five months, all we're trying to do is get exposure to the space. I'm using MJ to do it. And then I'm buying some of my favorite names where I have high margins. So Aurora doesn't fit the high margin model, but Aurora is part of MJ. So by definition, I'm buying a little Aurora, right? But I'm not buying that stock per se. There's other names on my list that are, that are, I think, of more quality. So when I buy individual names, I'm buying those. But um, so I, I hope that answers your question. There's nothing wrong with Aurora. I think this whole group is way, way undervalued, and it's going to have a rebound, and Aurora will rebound with it. And then after that rebound, who takes off over the next three to five years? Well, that's when we start talking about valuations and business models. But after the destruction stocks have suffered through, uh, trying to determine which one's more valuable than the other, it, it's not even worth my time right now. I just got to make sure I have some exposure down at these low levels and see how they respond. So Aurora is not on the top of my whiteboard list, but you know, there's nothing wrong with it as a company. Per se, I don't have any news for you there. Okay. So anyway, thanks a lot for being here, guys. Again, uh, if you like this, if it helped you, please, you know, give me the thumbs up. I look forward to talking to you guys again on Monday. Have a good weekend and be safe out there. All right.